Hello and welcome back to the Super Junior Podcast. I'm your host, Wade Green. This week, first, I want to thank you, listener, for taking time out of your busy schedule to have this conversation with me. I really do appreciate it. I hope you had a great weekend and you're ready to start this week off right. You know what we do here at the Super Junior Podcast. We like to talk about topics from the past week that caught my eye and I want to share with you and reflect on it and give my opinion. And hopefully, who knows, spark a conversation or two. Like I said, I hope you had a great weekend and you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed your week last week as well. Personally, for me, I had a pretty good week last week. Monday, I had to hand in my social media marketing midterm. Although I didn't work on it as much as I should have, I think I got an A on that project. I was working on episode 12 of the podcast, editing that down, and working on the midterm at the same time. So I didn't really dedicate enough time to it, which I hate. I should have been working on that longer. But I think I did a pretty good job coming up with everything for that midterm. So... I'm happy of it. I'm proud of it. I wish I just handed it on time. I fell asleep right before I had to leave for class. Right before. Because I was up all night working on that midterm. But I'm still proud of it. And then on Wednesday, got more productive. I went and met with my career development advisor. I got some good advice from her. Made me feel a little bit more comfortable about where I'm headed and where I wanted to go. I'm going to continue meeting up so I feel more comfortable going forward. Hopefully get an internship soon. I know. Took so long, I need to get an internship already. But I'm gonna get it done. Changing stuff, we're about to get things done. And then on Thursday, I got to hang out with some of my friends, which I was happy about. Missed them. Been working so hard on this podcast, trying to get things right. I've been neglectful and hanging out with them, but it was good seeing them. Some of my old coworkers from my last job at Sedona Tap House. It was great seeing those guys. They were trying to convince me to come back to serving. I don't know about all that. I can't do all the serving anymore. I'm over it. I'm tired. But the restaurant we went to was really good. Javisa's over in the Bronx on Throsneck. That place is good. This time I had their burger. Usually I get their Oster risotto because that shit is good. The first couple times I had it, the Oster risotto was on point. On point. But this time I got the burger and the burger was on point. Their french fries were really good. And the burger had the egg on top of it. It was on point, guys. I highly recommend going there and trying that out. And their drinks are really good too. They have the mojitos and margaritas and a whole bunch of different types of drinks. Drinks are good, so try that out. But yeah, my friends are trying to convince me to come back to serving. I don't know about all that. I really do. I miss them, but I don't feel like serving anymore. I don't feel like writing down people's orders. I don't feel like standing on my feet. I don't feel like going to the computer screen typing in orders. Yes, the money is lovely, but some of the disrespect, some of the working long hours and sometimes not seeing any reaping the benefits of it. Like, you're not making that much money sometimes. Don't get me wrong. There's some place where you can make a lot of money from serving. So you serving, you doing it. Enjoy it. Love it. Especially if you're getting benefits from it. Enjoy it. It's a good time. You get to meet people. It's a good experience. But for me, I'm just over serving. I'm just over it. Like, I don't feel like... I don't want to be taking people's orders. I want to have my order taken at the end of the day. I don't want to be, be doing that for the rest of my life. I think it's cool to be doing for a little while, but not forever. I don't want to be doing it forever, man. I want to challenge myself in a different way. I don't feel like I'm challenging myself as a server, just writing down orders. I used to have to challenge myself, honestly. 
me, people who know me and that worked with me, most of them know that I don't write down orders. And the reason why I do that is because writing them down like will make the job super easy. I need some type of challenge. So my crazy behind decides to not write down orders and remember people's whole order. So I don't know. I just need more of a challenge from what I wanted to do. And I wanted to challenge myself and get out of my comfort zone of just being a server and go out there and challenge myself and do something I wanted to do, like this podcast. But anyway, past all that, enough of that server talk. I'm off of serving. We're going to get into all the sports topics that have happened this past week because there was a bunch of them. Even though all this stuff that happened in my week, still, these sports topics caught my eye and I want to share them with you today. So let's get to them. My New York Jets, they got Le'Veon Bell last week and CJ Mosley. We on our way. We on our way. The New York Giants. <laughs> I'm laughing at you, New York Giants fans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, New York Giants fans. Listener, if you're a Giants fan, I apologize. I really do. But I had to laugh at you guys. I don't know what you Giants are doing, but we're going to talk about the Giants. Them getting rid of Odell Beckham Jr., Landon Collins, Olivier Vernon. And keeping Eli still. I don't know what's wrong with them. Cleveland, we got to talk about Cleveland. They got OBJ. Their team looking nice. Their team is looking nice. You got to give it up to Cleveland. And then the Raiders, they got Antonio Brown. That happened last week while I was recording episode 12 of the Super Junior Podcast. But that was a big move. We're going to see what Derek Carr is all about. This move right here is we're going to see what Derek Carr is all about. Then we also got to get into the NBA. We know we got to talk basketball. That's my favorite sport. Gonna talk about basketball. Kyrie Irving, he had another epiphany. He apologized to the media this week, last Monday. Russ, last Monday, he got into it with another Utah fan. He's always getting into it with these Utah fans. I always want to be racist with them, or he feels like they're being racist. We're gonna talk about that as well. Serge Ibaka, my man Ibaka. Mm-mm-mm. He's always fighting. He has a lot of anger. Why Serge Ibaka has so much anger? I know a reason why Serge Ibaka got anger. I'm going to tell you about that later. He got a lot of hate in his heart. He got a lot of hate in his heart. I don't understand why he has so much hate in his heart. But we're going to figure that out later. And then James Dolan, he sat down with my guys, the Michael K Show, Michael K, Don LaGreca, Peter Rosenberg. He sat down with them for an interview. He talked about why he banned that guy from the Knicks games and the garden. We're going to talk about that as well. And that interview, I have a lot I want to share with you about that interview. So we're going to get to it. We also got some new rules out in baseball that were implemented this year and going forward. We're going to talk about that changes to the all-star game voting and home run derby contest. We're going to talk about those changes. We're going to speak on all those topics and more on this episode 13 of the Super Junior Podcast. So we're going to start this thing off with the NFL because they deserve it. They stole the headlines this week. The NBA, it wasn't that big in headlines this week compared to the NFL. A lot happened. So we're going to give the NFL their shine. And we're going to talk about basketball a little bit later. First, we're going to get into the NFL. It just warms my heart as a Jeff fan to see the New York Giants struggling like they are right now. 
it just warms my heart because we're always known as like the inept franchise in New York City. It's like if the Mets saw Yankees struggling, they did some, a lot of great moves. A lot of Mets fans would be like, yes, I'm happy to see the Yankees struggling, the Mets winning. You'll feel like that. Same thing with the Nets and the Knicks. I bet you right now the Nets are feeling great how where they are. Like the Nets are feeling like we're about to make the playoffs. We're the new New York team. We could be the face of New York. They're never going to be. But they just feel great about themselves right now because they are moving in the right direction. They see the Knicks struggling, still only have 13 wins, even though they beat the Lakers this past weekend. LeBron James, we'll talk about that later. He sucks, man. Like He's he's purposely losing games to help his team get Zion. I'm not going to talk about it right now. But like I said, it feels good to be a Jet fan. It just feels good to be a Jet fan. When you're the second team in New York, when you love the second team in New York, and you finally find the, the first team, in that sport, losing steam and looking like they're falling back and not doing things the right way, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like your team is moving in the right direction. They just got to keep it up. They really just got to keep it up. I'm happy with where they're going. First move they made this week, they went and got CJ Mosley to join their linebacking group. He's from the Baltimore Ravens, a great player. I know a lot of you out there saying, hating, and saying how CJ Mosley's not the best in coverage. I get that. He's not the best in coverage, but I believe in Greg Williams. I'm telling you, I believe in that man, Greg Williams. I saw what he did for that Cleveland Browns defense. I believe in that man, Greg Williams. He's a difference maker. And having him, I believe he's going to put CJ Mosley in the best position. He's not going to make him a liability on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to pass coverage. I don't believe he's going to let that happen. So I believe in CJ Mosley. He's only going to make him better. And now we have some pillars on every level in our defense. On the defensive line, we have Leonard Williams, Big Cat, the Lion. Nate looks like Mustafa. Yes, we have him. And then we also have CJ Mosley in the linebacking core. He can be a pillar there. And then in the secondary, we know we got Jamal Adams. You know he's going to talk his stuff. He's going to be that bravado. He's going to give the team that swag. So... I'm happy what I'm seeing from my Jets so far this offseason, making some big moves. I know we lost out on Anthony Barr. I'm not happy. He wanted to pull up DeAndre Jordan. He can suffer like DeAndre Jordan. He ain't going to win nothing anyway. His quarterback is Kirk Cousins, so I'm not worried about him. Kirk Cousins is going to find a way to lose big games in big situations. Kirk Cousins hasn't won a big game, a standalone game, like a Monday night game, a Sunday night game ever in his career. So why would I believe that Kirk Cousins is going to be able to take this team to the playoffs and do something there? I don't believe it. But if he wants to stay there and get his money, by all means, get it. And that's why I feel like he wanted to sign with Jets anyway or played like he was going to sign with the Jets to actually do what Kirk Cousins did, use the Jets to get more money out of the situation from the Vikings. And it worked for him. So good riddance. Enjoy. Enjoy losing and never mounting to nothing on the Vikings. So goodbye. The Jets, we moving in the right direction. After that, all that crap happened. We focused our attention and we got our guy. We got my guy. I've been screaming for months, for months, ever since the saga was going down between him and Big Ben and the Steelers and everything where we going on over there in Pittsburgh. All that stuff was going down. We got our guy. We got Le'Veon Bell. I'm happy. I'm it's elated, ecstatic, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I'm happy, man. I'm happy that we got this man Le'Veon Bell on my team. So happy. To give Sam Donald good weapons to come out of the backfield, someone he can rely on to throw the ball to, to give the hand the ball off to. Just do everything. Just do a do-all back for this man Sam Donald to make his job a little bit easier. 
great having him. He could go out into run routes on the on the offensive side. He could be a wide receiver. So I'm really happy to have Le'Veon Bell. I see a lot of people hating though. A lot of you are hating. Like what is what this jet hate? So much hate in your heart. Why do you have so much hate in your heart to my Jets? I don't like it. What did the Jets do to you? How dare some of you say that Josh Allen is better than Sam Darnold? What? What is what has Josh Allen done in this league that made you say he's better than Sam Darnold? He hasn't thrown the ball well because all the games I've seen from Josh Allen, he had maybe one or two good throws like anyone can have. Nathan Peterman had one or two good throws. And you know how rare Nathan Peterman had one or two good throws. Man, you tell me Josh Allen is a great quarterback when all he basically did was run the ball? When you kill Lamar Jackson and you kill every other black quarterback when all they do is run the ball and that's the way they're effective? You kill them all the time, but you're saying that Josh Allen is something special because he could run the ball and he's better than Sam Darnold. When we saw Sam Darnold have a few games last year for the Jets where he came through and made some really big throws and most of his games that were big games were because of his him throwing the ball not him running around the field like he's a running back or like you would say like Lamar Jackson just running around the field and like he can't be a running quarterback but you let Josh Allen and you let Blake Bortles get away with being running quarterbacks and still be seen as good Blake Bortles when he was effective he was mostly running the ball just like Josh Allen and do you want Josh Allen to turn into another Blake Bortles I think not so stop being disrespectful and get rid of that hate in your heart that you have for my Jets and for Le'Veon Bell. Leave my running back Le'Veon Bell alone. Maybe he didn't get all the money he could have got with the Steelers, but he wasn't gonna waste his body for a team that wasn't willing to invest in him. Like he's giving you 400 touches a year. 400 touches a year Steelers, and you can't guarantee him that you're gonna pay him this money? Like, come on now, that's not right. This man's putting his body on the line for you, putting his body on the line, catching the ball, doing all this work for you. All is right for you. He's averaging 124, five yards from scrimmage per game in his career. Are you kidding me? What other running back does that? And you're not going to give him money? You'll be much appreciated in green. I know his favorite player was Curtis Martin. That was actually one of my favorite Jet players. And he was saying he's the greatest Jet back since um, Curtis Martin. We got to stop being a little bit disrespectful here. Thomas Jones, he held it down for the Jets. And he did a great job those years when he was with us. He helped carry... Mark Sanchez, Mark Sanchez did his thing too a little bit, but fumble and all, Mark Sanchez did have a few years with Jets where he was pretty good. He was pretty good. He did he did his thing in some AFC Championship games. It wasn't the reason why he lost. It, at least especially maybe AFC Championship game he needed to do more. But leading up to it, those the first two rounds he had some great games in those games. He won four role playoff games. I know he had a good defense to go along with him, but Mark Sanchez did make some big plays in those games as well. And Thomas Jefferson was a big part of those seasons as well. So don't say that this is the greatest thing since Curtis Martin. Like we haven't had running back since Curtis Martin. Thomas Jones was that man. Now he's acting, but Thomas Jones is that dude. But like I said, it's good to see Le'Veon Bell on my Jets. And we just stop being disrespectful about him. Le'Veon Bell is gonna be a great player for the Jets. And I hope Adam Gates brings back Bilal Powell to go along with Le'Veon Bell because I think those two having that dynamic, both guys that can run the ball and can catch the ball out of the backfield will be great for the Jets. It makes us more versatile. You never know who's going to be catching the ball, who could be running the ball. It'll be great to have that for Sam Darnold. We also signed my New Year Jets. We signed J Jamison Crowder. He's supposed to be a great slot receiver. 
I know a little bit about him because I had him on my fantasy team last year. I was spending a lot of big things out of him because I thought Alex Smith, you know, check down Alex, you know, a check down quarterback's favorite target is either the tight end or the slot receiver. And really last year, I didn't really see a lot of big games from Jamison Crowder. So I'm really a little cautious on that move. I'm not really oversold on that. I still think we need to get Sam Darnold more weapons on the outside because I don't think we didn't sign Robbie Anderson yet. We need to get like a solid number one receiver. We can't just be a running football team. And that's why right now, until we get something on the outside to go around Sam Darnold, I'm not really thinking about next year as a year for Sam Darnold to take that next step. Obviously, I want to see some progression. I want to see that Adam Gase, they, they say he's a quarterback guru. I want to see some quarterback guru-ness in Sam Darnold. I want to see him improve this year in offense. I want to see that offense look better this year since he's supposed to be some offensive genius, Adam Gase. And like I said, I'm holding out judgment. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not saying that Sam Darnold, I believe in him. I'm all the way 100% sold on him, but neither am I on Josh Allen, and I'm not 100% sold on Adam Gase either because I wanted Mike McCarthy on the team, and I thought he was the better for Sam Darnold because Mike McCarthy helped grow Aaron Rodgers, and if he helped grow Aaron Rodgers, why not help him grow my man Sam Darnold? So Gase, you got a lot to prove. Jameson Crowder, I know he's supposed to be a great side receiver. I hope you're going to show me that he has some lot of potential. He could do some things with my man Sam Darnold. We're going to see what happens. But I'm loving what I'm seeing for my Jets so far. We also signed Josh Bellamy, though. I wasn't too happy about that because we also got rid of Andre Roberts, our special teams pro bowler, which was not a good idea at all. I thought Josh Bellamy was a returner. This man's only a gunner on special teams. He's not really a guy that's going to run the ball back. And he's maybe like a fourth or fifth wide receiver so he's not gonna be helping us out that much on that end unless to be a speed burner i'm not really too happy about that and also that guy josh bellamy the jets took a picture of him he looked like fetty wop to me he really looked like fetty wop i was like holy shit he's missing an eye like fetty but he was not him it's not him but i'm not really too happy about that because i think we should have kept andre roberts because he's a game changer for special teams you need to really think about all three phases of the ball can't just think about offense and defense you gotta think about that special teams because that's what bill belichick is doing up there he's always thinking about all three phases doing what's best for all three sides of the ball so keeping andre roberts someone that could change field position for you and get you great field position and could possibly run a return back that's a huge piece to lose and not replace so adam gates that's a black mark so far on the team i need to see what you're gonna do to replace that man andre roberts is gonna keep that out there moving forward for finally replace it for that and get sam donald a number one receiver now let's get to the new york giants in the words of the late great bernie mac my favorite comedian i don't know what the fuck is wrong with these giants i don't know what the fuck is wrong with these giants man i really don't know i'm trying to wrap my head around it myself i can't wrap my head around it i just can't david gettleman he has a history of this he's making it a pattern in carolina he got rid of their best receiver steve smith and their best defender josh norman then he comes over to the giants he gets rid of their best receiver Odell beckham jr and then what we thought was their best defender, Landon Collins, Olivier Vernon, they got, he got rid of them as well. Damien Snacks Harrison got rid of him. I don't know what the hell he think he's doing. He's just gutting this team and leaving it for Eli Manning. That's the, that's the most uh, mind boggling part of this whole thing. Why is he gutting this team for what it looks like to give Eli Manning another run? 
For what? What have you seen for Eli Manning that made you say, hmm, I think Eli Manning can do it for us. I, I really am just confused. I'm just confused because from what I've seen, Odell Beckham Jr. saved that man Eli Manning's career. He saved it. He saved it. In my opinion, he saved the career. You go look at his stats. I believe I shared his stats with you before on before Odell Beckham Jr. arrived to New York Giants. And since he's arrived to the New York Giants, he saved that man's career. He had one of his lowest QBRs the year before Odell Beckham Jr. arrived on the Giants. And then the year when he finally got him, that's when his numbers started to uptick. And then these past few years, the only reason why Eli Manning's numbers look decent or look credible is because of Odell Beckham Jr. and him having him on the other side to throw to. We see with Odell Beckham Jr., he looks better. Without, he don't look too good. He don't look too good. Even last year, he got to a point where he don't even look good with Odell Beckham Jr., so I don't get it. To me, I told you guys last week, it looked like they trying to get rid of Odell Beckham Jr. They were trying to. They see it like they were trying to. There's no reason for you to come out and say you're going to make Eli Manning your starting quarterback unless you don't want Odell Beckham Jr. there because you're wasting his prime. So I kind of give David Gettleman some props for that. They recognize they're wasting Odell Beckham Jr.'s prime by letting Eli Manning be the starter for another year. So they got rid of him and they got some picks to go along with that. So I admire that. But then the trade makes no sense. They got a first round pick this year and they got a third round pick and Jabril Peppers. Why would you get Jabril Peppers when Jabril Peppers is known around the league as a player who's basically the same thing as Landon Collins? Landon Collins is a player that you got rid of also this offseason because what they most people say because he's not good in coverage. Jabril Peppers is not good in coverage. He's more of the of that hybrid safety that can come down and play in the bots and stuff to run. He's more of that ilk. So why would you get Jabril Peppers when he's basically the same thing as Landon Collins but not as good? So more head scratching moves. This makes no sense. Then you trade Olivier Vernon to the same team that you traded Odell Beckham Jr. to, the Cleveland Browns. We're going to get to them later. So you trade him to there. And then you bring in Golden Tate. For what reason would you bring in Golden Tate if it looks like you're trading your best receiver and basically you're calling it quits for this year? Why would you bring in Golden Tate? Golden Tate's supposed to be your number one receiver because Golden Tate is known as a slot receiver. You already have a slot receiver in Sterling Shepard. So what was the purpose in bringing Golden Tate in and giving him that deal? When he's probably going to stick around for two years. Like, I need some explanations. Quick, fast, and hurry. Giants fans, I know you deserve an explanation. Giants listeners, you deserve an explanation for what is going on with your team because I am looking for these answers. I know I'm a Jeff fan. I know I was laughing earlier about what's going on with the Giants, but I still feel bad because I I would need answers. I need some. I need to know what direction we going in. Are we going with Eli and we think he's going to be the quarterback of the future? Because I know you Giants listeners, I know you don't believe that. If you believe it, this you you smoking the same thing David Gettleman is smoking. And I thought smoking was legal. That's why David Irvin had to leave. David Gettleman, you need to come to the front of the congregation and tell us what the hell is your plan? What is your plan? I have one idea of what I think his plan could be, to be honest with you guys. I have one idea. All these picks, and it goes back to the rumor about Russell Wilson wanting to come play for the New York Giants. What if David Gettleman is collecting all these picks and 
players to like package it up for a deal to try and go get Russell Wilson. Would you be happy getting Russell Wilson as your starting quarterback? Because to me, I think that would be a great move for you guys. If you do somehow convince Seattle to trade Russell Wilson to you guys for the sits overall pick, the pick you got from Cleveland and a couple other picks, I would take that deal because then you have Russell Wilson. He can go along with Saquon Barkley. You have an improved offensive line. You got Sterling Shepard. You got Golden Tate. You got some weapons around Russell Wilson. I think you could do some things with that. I think you could do some things. If that's the plan, I'm rolling. I'm rolling and I can understand it. But this plan is Eli Manning to be trotted out there like he's a starting quarterback. I don't believe in it. Sorry, not going to be able to do it. Not going to be able to do it. And I see a lot of you Giants fans out there trying to compare the Odell Beckham trade to the Porzingis trade for the Knicks. It's not the same thing. I understand we losing stars. But Porzingis, he really has done shit for the New York Knicks. Name one thing Porzingis did for this. He represented hope. I'll tell you that. Porzingis represented hope. But Porzingis was never on the level of Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is a game-changing wide receiver. He's a game-changing wide receiver. And you're going to see that when, you, when he goes to Cleveland plays with Baker Mayfield. And that's where we're going now. We're going now to the Cleveland Browns. I'm telling you guys, I'm not trying to be a fanboy. I'm not trying to jump on no bandwagon. I felt this last year. I felt the, if they would have kept Greg Williams for another year, I think it would have helped him out even more go, moving into this year. I think if they would have kept Greg Williams and had the defense... With Olivier Vernon, Miles Garrett, and Denzel Ward. I feel like that defense with Greg with Greg Williams again, another year in his belt with them, that defense would have been a problem this year. Hopefully they could still maintain that level. But Cleveland Browns, that team is going to be a problem moving forward. I'm telling you guys, that team's gonna be a problem. A serious problem. On the offensive side of the ball, just their weapons. Baker Mayfield, I'm not gonna lie to you, Baker Mayfield, I like that dude. I like that guy. I like him. His swagger, his demeanor, his bravado. I like that dude. If he would have been a New York Jet quarterback, I would have loved having him as a New York Jet quarterback. Actually, I kind of believe in him more than Sam Darnold. So the fact that Bacon Mayfield now has two offensive studs, you got a guy that can play the slot position and Jarvis Landry catching 100 balls coming out of there. Then you have Odell Beckham Jr. on the outside. Antonio Callaway and Joku, and you have Nick Chubb, and when my man, well, not my man, I'm not calling my man. I see a lot of you calling him the kicker, which is not right. That was not funny, you guys. Calling him the kicker was not. I, I know I should laugh, but I see a lot of people out there call him the kicker. But Kareem Hunt, when they get Kareem Hunt back from that suspension, that offense is gonna be a problem. It's gonna be a problem. The Steelers. They, they missing out, man. They losing a lot of players. And then to have the Browns coming in, adding all this talent and depth to their offense is going to be a difference. The key to the Cleveland Browns this year is going to be their defense. It's going to be their defense. And we're going to see how they do with expectations because right now the expectations are high for Odell Beckham Jr. I think he's going to be on a mission to show why the Giants are wrong for getting rid of him. And we all know they're wrong for getting rid of him. So we're going to see. We're really going to see a lot of things for the Cleveland Browns, man. The Cleveland Browns are going to be a team this year. I believe the Cleveland Browns are going to win the AFC North, bottom line. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the AFC Championship game. I would not. If they made the AFC Championship game, I wouldn't be surprised. You have two great wide receivers. You have a running game. You just got to make sure that defense is on point. You really just got to make sure that defense is on point. And I believe in them. I really do. Odell Beckham Jr. was the only big-name receiver that got traded this offseason. Antonio Brown finally has a new home. 
He was traded to the Oakland Raiders for, you guessed it, a third round pick and a fifth round pick. Woo! Woo! What a deal. What a deal, right? What a deal. Lord have mercy. That was the worst trade ever. You lost Antonio Brown for a third round pick and a fifth round pick. You lost Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell this all season for a third round pick and a fifth round pick. Are you serious? Really? A third and fifth? I don't know where to start with first. Should I talk about the Steelers first or should I talk about Antonio Brown and the Raiders? I'll go with the Raiders and Antonio Brown first. Raiders, I think it's a great move. Antonio Brown fits their personality, fits John Gruden great. I think having him there will give that team a little bit of extra spunk, little little extra swag, you know? You got to have that little swag and that bravado to give that team your confidence. Antonio Brown's not the greatest leader. He can't be the leader of your team, but being in Oakland, he'll fit well with the black hole. I just hope it's not another Randy Moss going to Oakland Raiders where he ends up being trash for two years and he gets to go to the Patriots a year later. Don't want to see that happen. But Antonio Brown got his money. He's happy now. He finally got a quarterback that invites him over to his house that goes and plays catch with him and works on drills with him. So he's happy now. So I appreciate that. He's going to be in Las Vegas and he's made for Las Vegas too. Lord, Lord. He's going to make so much money off the field in Las Vegas and Oakland. So I'm happy for him. Only thing is... I'm scared for Derek Carr. This whole trade hinges on Derek Carr. Is Derek Carr that good? And that's what we're gonna find out this next year. Is Derek Carr that guy or not? Because he had one good year, and these past couple years he's been falling off, and now he got a guy. He got a stud wide receiver. He has a bona fide, true blue, blue chip wide receiver in Antonio Brown. The top wide receiver in the game right now. Odell Beckham Jr. talent-wise is better than him, but no one works as hard as Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is one of the best receivers in this game, and he got him on his team. We're going to see what Derek Carr is all about. Now, for the Steelers, Lord have mercy. I can't remember a worse offseason in recent memory. Like, two years ago, we were talking about, all oh, the killer bees. Who's going to stop this dynamic trio? They're just so loaded on offense. Now, look at them. The Cleveland Browns are loaded on offense. The Steelers ain't nothing. Now, I'm not saying Juju can't be a good number one receiver, but he has to prove it to me. He got a lot of help having Antonio Brown on the opposite side of him. I know the Steelers, they just pump out wide receivers like these Skittles. Like, they just fall out the sky for them. But I don't think adding Dante Moncrief, James Washington, all those guys they have right now, I don't think Juju's a great number one yet. He has to prove it to me. He's a great number two, but number one, I don't know about all that just yet. Not just yet. Ben Roethlisberger, this whole thing makes him kind of look bad. I know people still trying to say, oh, Antonio Brown, he was a true problem with the team. He only did all this so he could get money. I could see that, and I will understand it too. He's basically playing on non-guaranteed money for the last couple of years of his contract. He wanted some more guaranteed money. I don't blame him. He wants that guaranteed money, especially if he's going to have to be criticized by Big Ben. Like, why not? I would want that money too, to be honest with you. So I understand why he would do something like that. But I'm not saying, I'm not condoning, I'm not saying it's right. But at the end of the day, the Steelers have a lot of work to do this offseason. And it's going to really show me how good of a coach Mike Tomlin is. I already think he's a great coach, but he's going to have to coach his ass off this next year coming up. Because he has to find a way to bring this team back together. He has to find a way to find some type of offense on this team. Because 
He got some hitters in his division now. The Cleveland Browns ain't no slouches. The Baltimore Ravens ain't no slouch. And the Steelers look like they got worse. I'm just saying. They look like they got worse. James Carter's going to have to come back strong. Juju's going to have to prove himself. Ben Roethlisberger got to prove himself. Mike Common got to prove himself. Tomlin, I hope the, the Steelers got to finish with a great record. Or I think it's going to be Mike Tomlin's last year. To be honest with you, I'm afraid for Mike Tomlin. The Steelers, man. Damn, man. A lot has happened with the Steelers. Also, I don't know if you've read the Sports Illustrated article by Robert Klemko. He did on Josh Harris and Isaac Redman, two former Steelers running backs, where they basically told about their experience being on the Steelers and playing with Ben Roethlisberger and basically talked about the dynamic between Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown and gave their opinion on it. I like the article. Some parts of it I didn't like. Mostly Josh Harris basically accusing Ben Roethlisberger of purposely fumbling the ball. I looked at the play. I looked at his video. I didn't really see any definitive proof or evidence, so I'm not really rolling with that. So his little critique, I really took it with a grain of salt. I didn't really listen to him. But Isaac Redman, I actually listened to him because he was a little more diplomatic. He basically said he never had a problem with Ben Roethlisberger, but he could see why some people did because Ben Roethlisberger wasn't that good of a leader. He wasn't one of those guys that's going to step out there like Troy Polamalu or Ike Taylor or all the other Steelers legends, Heinz Ward. He wasn't like those type of guys, but he was a leader that basically was more careful about who he kept around him. He wasn't going to go around the locker room and say hello to all the guys like Tom Brady would. He wasn't personal with his other teammates other than his offensive lineman, which is smart. But if you want to be a leader of a football team, you got to be you got to be more welcoming and inviting to everyone in the locker room to make it more of a cohesive group, especially since you're the quarterback and you want to be a leader. You can't be the quarterback and be all to yourself or to just a couple group of guys. And I'm guilty of that myself. I'm not a quarterback, but I do that at work too. I stay to myself and I stay to my core group of people that I trust and I really want to hang out with. And that's me because I've been around in jobs where people just talk about each other behind each other's backs and have all this shit to say. And then when they get in Chinese places, they all laughing and smiling. I hate that. I hate that fake two-faced crap. Like if you have, you're going to talk about me one way, you're going to do things another behind my back. I don't like all that shit. Like be real. A lot of people I talk to at work, I used to talk to work. I felt like, yo, like these people don't talk behind my back. If they do and I find out, then I cut them off. Simple as that. But I understand why Ben Roethlisberger will be so not personal, not warm and welcoming to everybody. But you can't be that way and then think you could just go ahead and call out everybody in your locker room because guys are not going to respond that way. And that's basically what Isaac Redmond said. Like you can't be the way that Ben is and then think you could just call people out like that. People are not going to respond well to that, especially people like Antonio Brown, people who work hard and they see Ben Roethlisberger sitting on the sidelines while they're warming up, just reading a newspaper. Hell no, you can't be criticizing me when you're doing that. So I get it and I get where Ben Roethlisberger is coming from. He just gonna have to show and prove that he's, he can be a better leader or let someone else step up and be a leader. But who else is gonna do that? Everyone on that team is so young. That's why I think Mike Tom needs to take back control of this locker room and really put his imprint on it. Instead of it being so much of Big Ben's locker room, especially since he's not the most warm and welcoming person, you gotta have someone that's there that makes everyone feel all inclusive to make it feel like more of a team effort. And that's why I feel like that was wrong with the Steelers these past couple years. Cause they had all the talent in the world, but it never seemed like they were all the way as one. And then the football team, if anything, you had to be one on a football team. You have to be. And it's all the teams that I've seen that have been successful playing football, they all were just, locked in in a group and were one as a team 
Right now, the Steelers, they don't seem one as a team. They seem like too many individuals. And then Ben Roethlisberger makes it seem more individual instead of making me feel more like a group and a team effort. So once that changes in Pittsburgh, I feel like things will be right on the right track. And like I said, Juju, James Conner, we're going to see what they're all about. We're going to see what they can really do for a franchise and if they can be franchise pillars. And you know, like I said, Steelers always find a way to bounce back. So we're going to see what they could do. I'm looking forward to see what the Steelers can do. Some other signings in free agency we saw last week. Honey Badger, he's going to the Chiefs on a three-year, $42 million deal. And the Chiefs also released Eric Berry. I think the Eric Berry release, sad. Eric Berry, he's a great player. I hope he comes back healthy. I know he had the Achilles tear and he had all those things going on with cancer. I hope he comes back healthy. I would really like to see him go to a contender. Maybe the Dallas Cowboys, I think, would be a best spot for him, to be honest with you. Dallas Cowboys or the Patriots, but mainly the Cowboys, because I know they were looking for a safety. Skip Bills has been screaming for them to go get Earl Thomas. He went to Baltimore. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But yes, Dallas, go get Eric Berry. He could be a focal point for your team. On the defensive side of the ball, he could be the quarterback for your defense. And he's low risk, high reward because you don't have to spend too much money on him because he was coming off a down year last year. So give him a little bit of $5 million, $8 million deal, one-year deal, prove it deal. And he could come in. And I think he could change life for that defense. Now, Tyron Matthew going to the Chiefs. Some people are saying that he's overrated. Other people are saying that this move could change their title hopes. They could win a title because of him. Uh, I don't know. Last year, I thought it was a kind of a down year for Tyron Matthew. I'm not going to lie. I didn't look at too many Houston Texans games, but I didn't see many, too many highlights where I saw like, oh, damn, Honey Badger's making plays out there. I didn't really see too many moments like that this year coming from Honey Badger. Like, I saw it with Arizona, but this past year, I didn't see it. If we get the Honey Badger of old before the injury, I think we could see something from Tyron Matthew, and I think we could see something from that Chiefs defense. But to be honest, they're going to need some more pieces just besides Tyron Matthew. They need some more defensive backs. They need some more defensive backs on that team. So, but Tyron Matthews is a great first step. Great first step for them. Deshaun Jackson, he's back with the Eagles, y'all. He's back with the Eagles. Eagles fans, I know y'all happy about it. I saw you. You're all happy, cheering. Oh, we should have never got rid of him. Chip Kelly, damn you, getting rid of Deshaun Jackson. So it was good to see him back in the Eagles uniform. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with Carson Wentz. Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Zach Ertz. Jordan Matthews, I can't see what that dynamic is going to be about. Eagles offense is going to be a problem. So that's why I say Dallas, go get this man, Eric Berry. Low risk, high reward. But Carson Wentz, we're going to find out what he's made of. We're going to find out what he's made of this year. You know Deshaun Jackson, he ain't going to be happy with him just throwing to one person, Zach Ertz, all the damn time. He's going to tell him about himself if you don't spread that ball around. And I think he'll bring a lot of excitement to that offense. So I can't wait to see what that's going to look like. The Ravens, they made a couple moves as well. They lost a few pieces in Zadarius Smith, CJ Mosley, and T Sizzle, and Eric Weddle. But they added a couple pieces like Earl Thomas and now Mark Ingram. I know that's not a lot in Earl Thomas and just adding him to the defense when you lose all those guys on defense. But Earl Thomas is a great safety in this game. He's one of the greats. So we're going to see what he can do. He's going to upgrade that defense. And they still have a lot on that defense side of the ball with Humphreys as a cornerback, and you got Jimmy Smith as well. And also in the front line, you got some pieces. So I'm not really worried about Baltimore. They always seem to lose big pieces on the defense side of the ball every year, but they always seem to recover and be fine when the following year. Like I've never seen the Ravens defense be 
terrible. They've gone five to ten, but they never not in the top half in defense. Most of the time they in the top ten, so I'm not really worried about that. Look at the players they lost over the years. They like Bart Scott, he was great. Donna Ellaby, Corny Upshaw, Pernell McPhee. It's most of these guys I just named. They haven't looked the same when they have left Baltimore. But Baltimore, their defense has always been solid, so I'm not going to be too worried about that. Mark Green was a good person to have on the team for those short yardage situations. He'll help out my man, Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson, what the hell were you thinking, man? Driving 105 miles per hour and posted on goddamn Instagram. What is wrong with you, man? Come on, you got to do better than that. You got to do better, Lamar. Do better. I hate when he would say hashtag my apologies. Man, stop doing that. Don't put no hashtag to it. Just say my apologies. I apologize, and it won't happen again. It'll move forward. The Dolphins also made some moves last week. They traded away Ryan Tannehill to the Tennessee Titans. The Titans signed him to a one-year deal for $7 million. The Dolphins are going to be paying $5 million of that $7 million. So they really want to get rid of that nigga. They're going to pay most of his salary to go to the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee Titans look like they're giving up on Marcus Mariota too, or at least they're trying to get some competition. I don't really feel like Titan Hill is that much competition. I feel like you have no quarterback right now in Tennessee. Both teams are trying to figure things out. Maybe the Dolphins are just tanking for Tua Tonga-Valoa. I wouldn't be surprised about that. I would want to get him to on my team. He is better than Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill, he had his moments and he had his time where he thought he could be that quarterback for you. But to be honest, he's just not. I think you just need to get someone that is more of a franchise quarterback at the end of the day. He's not a franchise quarterback. And that's all I really got to say about that. Marcus Mariota, I thought him and Jameis Winston are two of the kind of biggest busts I've seen in a long time coming out of the draft. Like, for the guys that you thought were coming in one, two, you thought they would change the league. Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston really haven't done much at all. Mariota, he had his flashes. He showed that he could sometimes get it done, but franchise quarterback, I don't think so. Like, they have to step up and show up. Patrick Mahomes is better than him. A lot of players that come out after him are way better. Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield, I think, is better. There's a lot of other quarterbacks. Jared Goff, a lot of quarterbacks I've seen come out after Marcus Mariota that I say, like, yo, I believe in them way more than him. But anyway, moving on. A former Dolphin just signed another deal. This is like his 15th deal. Frank Gore, he's still in the league. I give it up to this man, Frank Gore. Round of applause, round of applause. Round of applause, Frank Gore. He signed a one-year, $2 million deal with the Dolphins. I love it for him. I say keep getting that money and keep running, Frank Gore. Did y'all know Frank Gore is fourth all-time on the rushing list in the NFL? Fourth all-time? Crazy. And he needs 521 yards to catch Barry Sanders for third all-time. So... I say keep running, Frank Gore. If you can finish third all-time, to me, Frank Gore is underrated. To be third all-time in rushing, you know how hard that is? And he's third all-time? Damn, that's crazy. So, shout out to Frank Gore. Hope he, he catches him this year. Last year, he had good production. He had 4.6 yards per carry last year, 700 yards on 150 carries. So, man, I say go get him. Go get him. And I think Frank Gore can help out. LaShawn McCoy, take some pressure off of him, give him some rest when he ever needs it, and be a solid backup for LaShawn. So I'm happy about that. I'm happy about Frank Gore getting more opportunities. Black don't crack, man. Black do not crack. Just a couple more topics before we move on to baseball and some bots and news. 
first I want to get to Teddy Bruschi getting a promotion and moving on to NFL countdown on Sundays joining Randy Moss and the gang I think it's a great move he's replacing Charles Woodson I love Charles Woodson but I think Teddy Bruschi will bring a little bit more to the table he's been with ESPN for a long time since he retired it's been a while since he retired so I like seeing Teddy Bruschi joining the NFL countdown I think it will bring more out of Randy Moss getting more loose and comfortable since him and Teddy Bruschi have a relationship with the Patriots I want to see Randy Moss loosened up be more like Chris Carter a little bit be the Randy Moss we thought we would see when he came over into the broadcasting world to talk more loose and talk more with fun you know what I mean like the straight cash homie Randy Moss I want to see that Randy Moss so I think Teddy Bruschi getting a promotion is a really good move I wouldn't mind seeing him join the booth in Monday Night Football to be honest also some other news, John Elway, he finally spoke out on his signing of the man we all know as Joe Flacco. Lord have mercy, John Elway must have lost his damn mind. I saw a lot of you say he must be taking the full advantage of the legal marijuana laws out there in Denver because he said that he believes Joe Flacco, age 34, has just entered his prime. Lord have mercy. Lord, Lord, Lord have mercy. This is the problem with Denver. Because John Elway believes that Joe Flacco is just entering his prime. While everyone else, I'm sure Bob Miller, everyone else in that team thinks that Joe Flacco has long left his prime. But John Elway believes that because Joe Flacco had some of his best years with Gary Kubiak when Gary Kubiak was his offensive coordinator in Baltimore and that Vic Vangio, he used to be a defensive coordinator with Baltimore while Joe Flacco was there. He believes that Joe Flacco could see a resurgence in his career because the offense is similar to the one he ran with Gary Kubiak. Uh, nah. We'll see. We're going to have to see on that. I don't believe it, but we'll have to see Joe Flacco. I've seen way too much of him. Like Skip calls him. Joe Fluco, I don't believe in Joe Flacco at all. I don't believe in him. He's like Nick Foles in a way. Once you get to the playoffs, he turns into a different player. But regular season, Joe Flacco is just not that guy, in my opinion. He is not that guy. Also, we got some news about Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, he's in trouble with the law because of child abuse. I don't want to get too much into that, but I just hope everything works out with that. And also, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he signed with the Dolphins. So, Obviously, they just looking for a quarterback as a stopgap before they get their real quarterback of choice and Tua Tonga-Valoya. I'm telling you guys, they, the Dolphins are looking for him next year. So, we're going to see what happens with that. And that's it for football this week. It was a fun week in football. It was the best week in football I had in a long time. A lot of things happened. Hopefully, the Jets keep it up, moving on to the draft, and also picking up some more free agents this offseason. Like I said, Cowboys, you better go get yourself Eric Berry. Giants, I don't know what the hell you guys are doing. David Gettleman, you need to get it together. I need to see some moves. David Gettleman, if your long-term plans to go get my man Russell Wilson with the trades that you made and all of the pits you acquired, I'm down with you. But if you're trying to roll Eli Manning out there and tell me that he's the starting quarterback for next season, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm cursing you out. I'm not going to lie to you. I might be boycotting. I'm boycotting that game if I'm a Giants fan because there is no way I'm going to look at Eli Man for another year basically fall down whenever a person breaks through the line. Eli Man hasn't tried in years, but we're going to see. A lot of moves are made. We're going to see what else happens. But right now, let's move on to some baseball news and a little bit of boxing as well.
first we're gonna go into baseball I want to tell you about my Yankees unfortunately it's not too looking too good for the Yankees right now Aaron Hicks he's gonna be out until April 1st Luis Severino he's gonna be out until May with his shoulder injury it's not looking too good injuries are starting already I don't want to see it I guess I'd rather see them be hurt now than be hurt later on in, in the season when we really need them. So I guess get the injuries out the way now and we could just worry about that later on and just be full strength when the playoffs roll around. But I'm just not looking too good for my Yankees. And don't worry, we'll talk about all the other teams when the season actually starts. But for right now, I just care about my Yankees. I apologize all other fans of other teams, but right now it's just about the Yankees. The Mets, uh, who cares about the Mets? <laughs> You're the second team in New York when it comes to baseball. But these new MLB rules, they first one that they made was to shorten the inning breaks by five seconds for local games and 25 seconds for national games. And that should shorten games by two games across the league, by two minutes across the league. Uh, I'm not too impressed with that. Two minutes is really not gonna help it that much. Baseball is just not the game to have when you, it's not entertaining to me. It's just not an entertaining game. Like it's more of a game that you watch in the background while you're doing your homework or you clean up around the house. It's more of that type of game. It's not a game that you, uh, I would just, on a regular Wednesday, just sit down and say, hey, I wanna watch this baseball game. And it will give me some type of enjoyment. It really doesn't, it's boring sometimes. It's just boring. Like if it's a big game with my Yankees are playing, I would definitely throw it on and there's nothing else to watch. My Knicks aren't playing, but come on, let's be real. It's always that time of year, and I said this last week, it's always that time of year when there's no basketball, there's no football, and there's only baseball, and I know you guys are bored as hell. That's why no one's home. That's why it's the summertime. Who the hell's home during the summertime to watch sports when there's only baseball on? I'm not, I'm, I, and I love a sport, and I love being home. I'm not staying home to watch no goddamn baseball during the summertime, sorry, too boring. That's boring. But another rule that they made is that they're getting rid of the waiver trade deadline. So there's only going to be one trade deadline now in baseball. It was too confusing anyway. It was like some people could get traded after this point if they had this happen and they were designated for that. Confusing. Baseball's always confusing. Stop all the confusion stuff. Just make it one trade deadline like all the other sports and move on. But the last two rules that I saw for the All-Star game. They're doing for the all-star balloting. It's still gonna be the same way. The fans can still do their all-star ballots. They pick the different positions. But now they're gonna have an election day with the top three vote getters from each position and sits for the outfielders. They put them in a pool for one day and then the fans get to vote on who they want their starters to be. So that's a great idea. It gives them more fans, more interactive, and they get some what they wanna see basically. And it's basically one day to get your favorite player into the all-star game or to be a starter in the all-star game so that'll be dope and the final rule change that they made for baseball this upcoming season the home run derby contest to make it a little more exciting to make it a little more intriguing they added a million dollar prize to the game i think that's a great idea and i saw on espn they made a list of people their dream home run derby contestants I love their list, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna read off some of the players. Nolan Arenado, he's from the Colorado Rockies. Mookie Betts from the Boston Red Sox. Chris Bryant's from the Chicago Cubs. Chris Davis, Bryce Harper from the Phillies. Aaron Judge from the Yankees, my Yankees. J.D. Martinez from the Boston Red Sox, boo. Jim Carlos Stanton from the Yankees. Mike Trout from the Angels, he does nothing but get stats. Christian Yelich from the Brewers, and that's it. 
I really would enjoy seeing that as a home run derby contest with those guys participating in it. I think personally, Judge and Stanton will win that contest. That's just me being a Yankee fan, honestly. And also because I think they have the most power and then a little competition that they do in baseball now for the home run derby, that was a great move. It was a great move, making it more competitive, going head to head against each other. I think Stan and Judge could do it. I wouldn't want them to participate because the home run derby fucks up your swing, but I think those two guys would be great for it. And seeing them in it and going up against those Red Sox guys, I think they will destroy them. And I think Judge and Stan will be great for that competition. But that's it for baseball for today. Next time, hopefully next week will be more news about baseball. I just can't wait for the season to start, really. I just want to see my Yankees start winning some games and get into the playoffs and do what we're supposed to do this year. Last year, we didn't get it done. We won 100 games. This year, hopefully get back healthy and we do what we need to do this year in baseball. And hopefully these rule changes help improve the game, to be honest. I just want to see baseball do better. Be more entertaining. Find some way to be more entertaining. That's all I want for baseball because I love baseball. I like to play. I used to like to play all the time. I was sucked at it. I've tried out in high school for it, though. It really sucked. It was embarrassing. Really, really embarrassing. But anyway, we're going to get into boxing now. I don't know if you saw that Earl Spence and Garcia fight, but we're going to talk about it right now. That was, whoo, whoo. That was an ass whooping personified. Ass whooping personified. I don't understand what Mike Garcia saw in that fight for most of it. He kept raising his arm up after every round and acting like he won. Like the first eight rounds, he kept raising his arm up. After the eighth round, he was like, fuck it, I'm not raising my arm up anymore. Cause he, this corner fine told him, like, nigga, you getting your ass whooped. You getting your ass whooped. Dude, like eight rounds, he only landed 52 punches. This dude, Errol Spence landed 200 punches. For the fight, Errol Spence landed 349 punches on this guy. And he landed, what, 75 or like 80, if that? Mikey Garcia? Garcia got his ass whooped whooped i give him credit for staying in there and going 12 rounds with arrow spence but that was an ass whooping that was an ass whooping he was just tagging him all fight long arrow spence looked like he can't be beat i really want to see arrow spence go up against terrence crawford nets i just really do it i really want to see it happen i really really want to see this happen arrow spence versus crawford but up nets he says he wants to fight Manny Pacquiao, which I get. I understand why he wants to fight Pacquiao. That's a big name. You want to knock off a legend. That goes. That looks good on your resume. And plus, Manny Pacquiao is going to bring him more money. You saw what he said after the fight that Sean Porter can't sell out a sneaker store, whatever he said. He basically said Sean Porter ain't worth no money and he, he ain't going to get no title shot, basically, because he's not worth it. Like, why would I fight you when I can make more money fighting Manny Pacquiao? Manny Pacquiao is going to be big money for him. And I think he's going to destroy Pacquiao. And I know a lot of people, I got an argument on Twitter with these people going at me saying that, oh, like Pacquiao was just being humble. He wasn't, he was just being humble like he always is. He's not like Errol Spence and all that other stuff. Uh, be quiet. Be quiet. Pacquiao was sitting in that arena and watched that fight too. You don't think he saw that fight and was like, damn, this nigga Spence is different. Errol Spence is different. Manny Pacquiao hasn't fought someone on Errol Spence's level in a long time, people. In a long time. And he's old as hell. Do you understand Errol Spence is like five inches taller than Manny Pacquiao and he has a five inch reach distance? You saw what he just did with his jab to Mikey Garcia. You don't think Errol Spence is going to jab what's name to death and outbots Manny Pacquiao? Come on, man. I understand Manny Pacquiao has those quick hands. 
But Errol Spence, he's gonna he's gonna teach Pacquiao a lesson, and he's gonna make Pacquiao retire after that. He's gonna make him retire. I've been asking people online that kept coming at me saying like, "Oh, Errol Spence, he's not gonna beat Manny Pacquiao." Yes, he is. Who has Manny Pacquiao fought? Adrian Broner? Come on, man. Adrian Broner has been good in years since he was in the ropes, like Fab said, to that fight with um. Maidana, come on, Maidana ruined Adrian Broner's career. Let's be real with that. When he had him laying in the ropes, it was over. From that point on, Adrian Broner's career was over. And he fought Timothy Bradley, he fought Jeff Horn or whatever his name was. And he fought um, Lucas Matisse. Come on, he hasn't really fought anybody since Floyd. And Floyd was all defense. Floyd wasn't really gonna throw no punches that was gonna hurt you. This dude, Spence, he can throw some punches. And he will land them punches as well. 300 punches land on this dude, Garcia. It was bad. It was a bad fight. And I, like I said, I completely get it. If Spence goes after the big money with Manny Pacquiao, I would take it too. But I really can't wait to see Spence versus Crawford. That would be a great fight, yo. That would be a really, really great fight. Another one they were saying was Spence versus Thurman. And I think Spence will beat Thurman. I want to see Spence versus Crawford. I don't know about you. But I don't want to see Spence versus Crawford. Oh, one second. Sean Porter. Lord, Lord, Lord. Who let you walk outside with that green suit on? Sean Porter. Who? Who? I understand it was St. Patrick's Day. Don't get me wrong. I understand it. And I hope you, listener, enjoyed your St. Patrick's Day. Didn't drink too much. Drank responsibly. But why, Sean Porter, did you walk outside with that green suit? I swear to God, he looked like the leprechaun back to the hood. He looked like Leprechaun Back to the Hood. Did you know they made five of those Leprechaun movies? Oh my God. And they used to show that movie all the time on BET. And they used to call it BET Classics. Lord have mercy. Why BET, why? Those are the type of movies I wish BET never did. And Ice-T, I saw you in one of the Leprechaun Back to the Hoods. Lord have mercy, it was terrible. Like I really questioned how you became an actor, really did. I think it was number three. They made six of those movies. Six of those Leprechaun movies. BT used to love that movie, man. That and Baby Boy. All the time just showing that. All the time. But yeah, Sean Porter, you look like Leprechaun back to the hood. You look like Leprechaun. But anyway, let's get into this basketball. Can't wait. NBA, let's get to it. On Monday, Chris Haynes, he came out with an article with Yahoo Sports about Kyrie. Kyrie basically apologized to the media. He said, the way I've handled things, it hasn't been perfect. I've made a lot of mistakes that I take full responsibility for. And he apologizes. (sighs) Kyrie, Kyrie, Kyrie. I saw a lot of you out there saying, hey, Kyrie has more personalities than dribble moves. That was a good one. (laughs) That was a really good one. I wish I kept the name of who said that, but that was a really good one. He has more personalities than your moves. Some of you believe Kyrie is going to be staying with Boston. Obviously, the Boston fans, you out there, you believe that Kyrie's going to be staying. Others think that Kyrie's being more of a leader than LeBron. I kind of agree with that, but not really because he kind of did the same thing LeBron James would do. 
because if LeBron James' team was winning right now, LeBron James would make these same type of quotes. He would, because that's what they do. They're both those type of players that when things are going good, you want them on your team because they're gonna be, they're gonna lead the team. But when things are going bad, you don't want them on the team because they're gonna show the frustration. They're gonna bring the team down with them. They're not those guys that's gonna change the momentum in the locker room. Eventually they will, but they're gonna be down in the doldrums with you. They're not those leaders that's gonna turn the tide for you, in my opinion. Kyrie has to be a better leader in that way. And then a lot of people are saying that Kyrie's gonna go to the Lakers. I don't believe that. I don't believe that one bit. I just don't see him going back to play with LeBron. I don't see that. Cause he made some quotes during the article where he basically said that he's still growing, he's still trying to learn how to be a leader and do all this stuff. But he also said how it was a lot for him coming into the league and having to follow in LeBron James' footsteps. Being 19 and being expected to just take over where LeBron James took off from. But at the end of the day, he didn't live up to LeBron James because the team only won 26 games, 28 games his first couple of years in the league. So it was a lot of pressure on him. But he had to just take little victories as they came. So I'm going to read you guys some quotes from the article that I thought were very telling and very important. These are Kyrie's quotes about living up to LeBron and on his teammates. Coming into this league, it's been a trial and error, just from being a rookie and having to quote unquote, fill the shoes of LeBron. That was a lot for a 19 year old kid to be coming into a city like Cleveland where something traumatic like that happens where their hometown kid leaves to go win championships with Miami. And here I am, this rookie, our first year, we lost 26 to 28 in a row and I have to fulfill my own legacy. It was always like I was being compared or I had to live up to someone else's standards. And I felt like I wanted to go after my own dreams, get my own things and everything that every great player hit. In terms of great players that came before me, I was hitting. I made the all NBA rookie team. I won the MVP of the rookie sophomore game and I was leading my draft class and everything. All right, first off, who cares if you won the MVP of the rookie sophomore game? All NBA rookie team, that is a good move. But those quotes right there, him saying that he wants to forge his own path and he didn't want to have to live up to LeBron. I don't think he wants to go follow LeBron's footsteps and go join him back in Los Angeles Lakers. He just said he wanted to forge his own path. So why would he want to go follow behind LeBron again and go play with him again? So I don't see him going to play with the Lakers. I know a lot of you want that to happen, especially you Laker fans, but it's not going to happen, to be honest with you. I think he's gonna, he wants to have his own team. So Boston, or I'm telling you, the Knicks, I personally, I don't really think I want him on the Knicks. If we got him, I would be happy, but I'm not forcing the issue. Like, oh, we better get Kyrie Irving or it's going to be a bust. Like, I'm not really that deep on getting Kyrie Irving because Kyrie Irving, he is injury prone. He shows up in the playoffs, but he is injury prone. So I would want someone that's more reliable when it comes to being healthy all the time but i don't see him going to the lakers to be honest with you don't see it happening i could see him you guys out there that think he's gonna stay with boston i could see that happening though i could see it happening another quote that he made i kept getting better every single year my second year i went to averaging 22 points and i made my first all-star game i kept hitting every single mark since I was 19. And now that I think of it, I'm in a position where I have a greatness about my game. I don't ever want that to overshadow the great young players that I'm playing with because it's a hard thing to accept. You basically have to wait your turn and be patient in this league to be that guy and to earn that right. And I feel like I've earned that right thus far. 
That, again, is another LeBron-esque quote. It's a LeBron-esque quote. And it's basically the same thing he said before early in the year when they were losing and going their little rough patch and he turned it around and he started throwing all the assists. He said, basically, you guys have to follow me. And that's what he's saying here in these quotes. He's saying, you guys got to follow me. Like, I understand that you guys are great and I don't want to ever overshadow anything you are doing. But there's a greatness about my game. We all have our moment. Right now, it's my moment. And let me take you to that point. That's basically what he's saying in these quotes. He's saying what he said before. And if I was a teammate, I'd be mad about it again. He's basically telling him, he said it, wait your turn. You basically have to wait your turn and be patient in this league to be that guy and to earn that right. And I feel like I've earned the, that right thus far. He's saying, I've earned the right to be the guy of this team. Let me have that right. Your time will come. That's basically what he's saying. So Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, you basically got to wait your turn. I wonder how that is going to play in the locker room. I hope that doesn't hurt the Boston Celtics chances. I don't really think it will because, I, honestly, I think the Boston Celtics are going to be fine come playoff time. They built more for the playoffs. In seven-game series, no one's – I can't really see someone beating the Boston Celtics four times. So these quotes, Kyrie Irving, like I saw on the internet, Kyrie Irving do have more personalities than dribble moves. So – we're going to see what happens with Kyrie. We're really going to see what happens moving forward. Monday was a very busy day because we also saw this man, Russell Westbrook, yet again get into it with another fan. Lord have mercy. I love Russell Westbrook, though. I love it. I love it. I love how his passion for the game. I love how he addresses things. But this time, I didn't fully agree with him because the story goes like this. The guy, the Utah Jazz fan, he says that he told Russell Westbrook to ice his knees Russell Westbrook says that the man told him to get on his knees like he used to. Homie, don't play that. Uh, uh. And Russ took it racially, and Russ went back at him. He said, I will fuck you up on God. I will fuck you up. And he said it about his wife, too, because his wife repeated the same thing that the man's husband said. Damn! Eventually, the man was banned from the arena. And he also went back and found another fan that called Russell Westbrook a boy. While he was dancing. Homie, don't play that. And Bus asked him to stop calling him that. The man wouldn't stop, so they banned him too from coming back to Utah Jazz games. I think that's a great move, great everything. And I also want to give a shout out to my man Donovan Mitchell and Dabu Sebalosha. I think that was a great move by those two guys by stepping up and coming out and condemning the fans in Utah for doing that type of stuff. Because I've never really seen anyone from the Utah team come out and defend other players in the league and actually talk to their fans and tell them that, yo, what you're doing is wrong to these guys. Because you have black players on the team, so why would you talk to other black players on other teams like that? So I really appreciated Donovan Mitchell coming out and as the face of that team and talking out against it. I wish more Utah legends would do that, like Carl Malone, John Stockton, Jerry Sloan, Darren Williams. Like more of you guys come out and talk. And since you are of the community and of that town, they'll listen to you way more. If you don't say nothing, why Why would they stop? So I appreciated Don Mitchell coming out. But going back to Russell Westbrook and this whole side of the story, he took it as a racial statement, the man telling him to get on his knees like he used to. Me personally, if, someone, if a man tells me to get on my knees like I used to, I feel like he's insinuating that I used to suck dick. I'm sorry. That's how I would've took it. I would've took it. I wouldn't've took it as racially, you trying to disrespect me? I thought you just trying to disrespect my manhood and tell me to suck your dick. And to be honest, you can't be inviting another man to your to do that, to, to SMD. 
Like, that's what I took it as. It's like, well, in my opinion, this is my humble opinion. I've noticed some things that white people like to do. I've went to basically an all white school. It was some black people, but it was basically all white. Out of those state, I've been around them. So I've noticed little things that they do. They may not overtly come out and directly disrespect you, but they'll they'll find little ways around it to disrespect you so you won't so they can always have that caveat and say, like, oh, you're being so sensitive. That's not what I meant. But you know exactly what they meant. This right here, that get on your knees like you used to, that was like, that's like a white person's way of telling you to suck their dick. That's that's their way of saying it, so you could just be like, cause you just confused and not, you don't know what the hell they mean by it. But I kinda got, that's what I gathered from it. And I just felt it was more disrespect. And if you disrespected me that way, I would kind of react, I would react the same way too. Because- Homie don't play that. Just in the hood, black people, if a, another dude tells another dude suck his dick, Charlemagne always says this, you gotta do one or two things. You gotta you gotta die or be ready to kill. You're gonna have to fight. You can't invite another man, another grown man to your private parts. You can't be doing that. That's rude. It's rude and you gotta fight. You got to. So I would've took it as that and I understood Russ's anger coming from that. If, I, if he was coming from that standpoint, I would've completely got it. He got fined for his reaction, basically for telling the, the man's wife to, that he would fuck her up too, but at the same time, that's just real how Russ is. And he responded well in that game, came back, helped his team win. But like I said, I saw a lot of you out there saying that it wasn't racially. And I agree with most of you guys. I didn't think it was more racial. I thought it was more just disrespectful to invite another man to basically get on his knees and you're insinuating shit. That's why people do, they insinuate stuff. So you can't really pin them down on things, they're insinuating things. And also I saw another thing on CNN this weekend on white people basically using like okay symbol as like a white power symbol now so now you don't even know subliminal messaging man subliminal messaging it's all codes i know black we have our codes too i know my friend was just talking about that because we were talking about the word no cap and she was saying she was just basically saying oh it's not about um it's about we like like to talk in codes and white people talking in codes too apparently the okay symbol when white people lift their hand up it could mean if they're white supremacists they could mean that they're saying white power with the okay symbol. I did not know that. I was mind blown, but not seeing pictures of white supremacists doing it, and it makes complete sense. And I could believe it. If black people got codes in their in our language, I'm pretty sure white people have little codes in their language. And like I said, I feel I've been around white people long enough when I was in high school and all that stuff. I kind of know when they try to insinuate stuff, but they do it in a roundabout way instead of being direct with it. Like a black person would just say SMD. White people will say, oh, get on your knees like you used to. Where you insinuated, but you're not really being direct with it, so it makes you have to question, like, oh, what do you mean by that? But I know what you mean, white man. <laughs> and then that guy also has some racist tweets about Russ, too, so it made it more, more racially because of that. But me, like you guys, I didn't believe it was racial. I thought it was more just disrespect. So, Russ, I get it. Don't disrespect me, either. I don't feel the same as that way. But one second. We're going to talk about this, the Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder and that terrible game that they played against the Golden State Warriors on Saturday night. It was horrendous. I don't know who got their ass with more, the Oklahoma City Thunder or Mikey Garcia, because the Thunder got their ass whooped. Russell Westbrook went like two for 16 from the field, had only like seven points. 
Paul George went like 6 or 25 from the field. They just had terrible shooting nights. They made me look so bad. Like, what the fuck, Oklahoma City? And I told you, they have all the relative other pieces. They have all the others. They have Markeith Morris. I like him coming off the bench. They got Dennis Schroeder. They got Steven Adams. Terrence Ferguson, that dude Nader is good. When Robinson comes back, he'll be an asset to the team. Jeremy Grant, he looks like a most improved player candidate. Like, they have the pieces. It's really going to come down to Russ and PG. And watching that game Saturday night, it showed me that Russ and PG, they let little calls get to them. They can't do that. They got to just keep playing that game. They got to be the best two players on the court for the Oklahoma City Thunder to win that series against Golden State. Seven game series, I think it'll be a little different because you're going to be focusing on them. And I don't think Golden State's going to be hitting all them goddamn threes that Steph Curry was making that night. But Oklahoma City, you got to prove my prediction right, man. I've been out here saying that you guys can guard Golden State one through five. That was a terrible defensive effort. Offensively, I did not play well, so that's the only good thing. Kevin Durant didn't play either, which was not good for them. But for Oklahoma City to win, Paul George and Wes Westbrook have to set the tone. They have to keep their composure in big moments against the Golden State Warriors. They can't lose their cool. They can't let the refs get in their head. They just got to play their game and play downhill. Russ, all those jumpers, you got to chill out. Go to the basket a little bit. Ugh, man, I was just really disappointed in Oklahoma City Saturday night. They need to improve. They're falling lower and lower in the standings. And right now, they're like a game ahead of the San Antonio Spurs. You don't want to go down, keep falling down the standings. You need to be going up in the standings. This last part of the year, I know it was a difficult part of the schedule for Thunder. And they haven't really been responding well. It seems like it's taking a toll on them. I hope they really get it together and regroup before the playoff starts. I know they will. because This is what they kind of do. They go through those little stretches in the beginning of the year. They look bad. In the middle of the year, they look great. Then after All-Star break, they start looking a little bit shaky again. And then right before the playoffs, I'm hoping right before the playoffs, they're going to figure it out and they're going to go on a little run in the, in the playoffs and get out of the first round this year. Because I'm sick of seeing Russell Westwood get eliminated in the first round and win only like one game and that's it. I don't want to see that this year. I don't want to see it. But speaking of Kevin Durant, I know I just mentioned him. Charles Barkley had a lot of things to say about Kevin Durant and... Kyrie Irving. Charles Barkley this week said that he doesn't believe that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are cut out to play in New York because they're a little bit too sensitive when it comes to the media. Charles Barkley said, I don't think they are tough enough to play in New York. Those guys are complaining about the media, asking questions. Maybe New York isn't for them. Uh, he is right. Let's put one thing straight. He is right. I know a lot of you out there agree with Charles Barkley and saying that he's right. If they're going to be so thin-skinned, I don't think the New York media is right for them. I agree with him about that. But I think he's using a little bit of reverse psychology. At least I hope he's using that on Kevin Durant. Fuck the media. Kevin Durant doesn't even matter. Even with all this stuff that goes on with Kevin Durant, he still shows up in big moments. He always makes clutch shots. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. All this media attention, they still show up when you need the most in the playoff time. So that's all I care about. Fuck all what you heard about everything else. I just want my New York Knicks to be good when it comes to playoff time. So use it as reverse psychology to get this dude, Kevin Durant, in the New York Knicks uniform. And another thing that came out this week, Kevin Durant's boardroom show that's on ESPN+. Plus. I wish I could watch it, but I don't want to pay $5 for no damn ESPN+. Plus. Why can't this be on regular TV? We pay all this money for cable, now we have to pay extra money to do stupid ESPN+. Plus. 
Come on now. Give it to us for free. Anyway, I saw a little clip of it on Instagram. And in the clip, Kevin basically talks about how it does bother him that he's not considered the best player, that people only consider him the second best player. And I saw a lot of you commenting underneath the video saying that, well, what does he think is going to happen when he went to join the Golden State Warriors? Well, James Harden, Giannis, Kawhi, they're all better him. So I don't even think he's the second best player in the league. I want to get that disrespectful, people. Do not get that disrespectful. James Harden is nice. James Harden is good. He's an offensive scoring machine. But what has James Harden done in the playoffs, people? You can't just take what he does in the regular season. You got to look at the playoffs and what he does in the playoffs. James Harden hasn't really done anything. Now, don't get me wrong. I agree with you. Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors, that takes him off a pedestal. He can't be on that same pedestal as LeBron when, as the best player. When you went to go join Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and that whole gang over there in Golden State. You can't be considered a, one of the top players in the league when you go ahead and do some bull crap like that. That's why I feel like him coming to the Knicks would help him solidify himself as the best player in the league. If he comes to Knicks and win a title, he's hands down the best player in the league. Hands down the best player. I think he is the best player in the league in my opinion, my humble opinion. I think he is better than LeBron James, but him going to Golden State is never gonna let him reach that level in other people's eyes though. And he doesn't reach that level in my eye, to be honest with you, because the, the rings he has, I don't give him, I understand he was a finals MVP and he was a big reason why they won. I still don't give him the credit maybe he deserves because he went and joined Steph Curry though. And even though Steph Curry hasn't shown up big in the playoffs, you still went and joined a 73 win team. Like you're basically a cheat code for that team. Like it's still cheating having you on that team. Now, if you go, like I said, if you go play with the Knicks, you go play with the Washington Wizards, if you would have played with any other team, except for going to say Warriors and you would have won these titles, he would be the best player in the league right now. Now, all you guys thinking that James Harden is better, stop. Giannis is better. Giannis is good, but he hasn't shown up in the playoffs. He has to show it in the playoffs. If he shows up in big moments in the playoffs this year, then Giannis, I will give you, there needs to be a little conversation between those two. Same thing with Kawhi. Kawhi won a ring. Kawhi is another person that's on his level. I would say fighting for number two right now in mind is Kawhi and Kevin Durant. Those two are the two, like, two A and two B. When LeBron's falling off, LeBron looks like he's falling off right now, to be honest with you. We're going to get to LeBron a little bit later, but he looks like he's falling off right now. But Kevin Durant, I agree, man. I disagree. I disagree. I agree. He's just, he's just not the second best player right now. He just has to he has to do it on his own. He just has to do it on his own. He can win as many as he brings he wants with the Golden State Warriors, but in my opinion, he would never be seen as great because of how he went about it and how he went about winning those rings at the end of the day. Now let's move on to my New York Knicks. I love my Knicks. I love my Knicks. I love my Knicks. This past week, we saw James Dolan get into it with a fan. So he went on Michael K's show and he talked to Don LaGreca, Michael K, and Peter Rosenberg. And he gave a great interview. It was a good time. I like hearing from James Dolan. You know what? I, one thing I took away from that whole interview with James Dolan? Rich people are petty, dog. Rich people are petty. He has this little beef going on with Daily News. He thinks the Daily News is out to get him. He, they don't like the team. They always write negative articles about him. So he basically banned them for any of the his press conferences that he holds personally. He doesn't allow them to be there. He doesn't want them around the team. So he basically banned them. Wish he put petty. Mike, Michael K said during the interview, he was like, yo, you could just, you have money. Like, why do you care what these people think about you? 
But at the same time, I, I feel them. Like, don't tell me to sell my team. Don't come from the whole other side of the arena, follow me, and tell me to sell my team. F you, man. And he basically banned them for that. He wasn't going to ban them at first, but he said he banned them because he found out they basically planned the whole event and followed him and tracked them just to get a reaction out of him. So he's like, get out of here. We don't want him back in the thing. I'm back in the arena. So this arena, he wants to do that. I didn't have a problem with it. Like everyone's making a big deal and they want to sell a team. I don't want to sell a team. Right now, I like where James Dolan is at. He clearly is not involved with this team. Like he had to read off notes. He had to read the players' names off the notes. It took him like a whole 30 minutes to even mention Coach Fisdale's name. He only knows Steve Mills' name and he only knows Scott Perry. He's letting them take care of everything that's going on with the basketball situation. He admitted it might have been wrong letting Phil Jackson stay around to pick Flake you know, Kina. All that stuff. He admitted everything. I enjoyed the interview. He's not that great with public speaking, but who cares? Like, honestly, in that interview, everyone's complaining about James Dolan. At the same time, James Dolan, he may have been an issue, but right now, he's not a part of the team. He's literally just a fan. He's letting Steve Mills and um, Scott Perry lead the way. If players want to play for New York, I want to see it. I want to see you come play for New York. He did say one thing during the interview that really made me feel good about James Dolan. And the fact that if this coming out of his mouth made me feel like, okay, James Dolan, he's not that bad of a guy. He really isn't that bad. He actually notices some things. He said that the plays that he liked and that the plays that he thought were successful in the NBA, they all had one thing in common. They all cared about the game. They all loved the game more than they loved making money from the game. So seeing that, I, hearing him say that made me feel a little bit better because it made me feel like, okay, he's looking for players, or at least he wants players in his organization that care more about the game of basketball, that just love, genuinely love the game, and actually care about wanting to make money off of the game. You know what I mean? So I really appreciated hearing that from James Dolan. I appreciated him sitting down with Michael K and talking about all the situations that happened over the past year. Like I said, he doesn't seem too interested in the team right now. And that's what we all wanted. We wanted him to move away from the team. And he's done that. He let Phil Jackson come in and run the team. And he said Phil Jackson run, ran into the ground. You guys all killed him. Let Phil Jackson do his thing. And he did that. And Phil Jackson did absolutely nothing. Now he's letting Steve Mills and Scott Perry do it. And we're going to see what they do with Coach Fisdale. We're going to see what they do. But Jim, you got to know the players' names, man. You can't be reading off papers with players that are on your own damn team. Come on, man. You can't be reading off papers when their players are on your team. And then going over to my Knicks, we did play Sunday afternoon against Los Angeles Lakers. Mario Hazinga, my man, my man. He had a big block on LeBron. LeBron James is quitting, by the way. And it's crazy. It is fucking crazy to see LeBron James with gray hair and his beard and his hair basically falling out. He looks old as hell. Like, I feel old now looking at him like, damn, this nigga has, I know, don't get me wrong, LeBron James always looked old. He's looked old when he was 18. But seeing him with gray hair now is crazy. Crazy, it makes you feel old and like, damn, time is flying. But the last two shots of that game, LeBron James, I really feel like he's he's tanking on purpose. First off, this first, it was like 30 seconds left, Mario Zing is on him, he dribbles the ball, and he takes a pull-up jumper. Like, mother, like LeBron, you are not Steph Curry. You are not KD. You are not Kyrie Irving. Stop taking jumpers. Take your big behind, 
to the paint and just run this dude over. Get to the basket. Like, I don't get LeBron James. He's he always trying to be something he's not. Go ahead and just drive to the basket instead of settling for a jumper. And you know what Skip Bill is going to say? He's going to be like, oh, he just did that because he's afraid to take free throws. I'm starting to believe it. Well, I've always believed that. But it's just annoying. And then the final play of the game, he lets he takes Myers Inc. into the basket and lets him block the shot. Like, if I was a wall, I would feel like this nigga's losing games on purpose. Like, he wants me to lose my job. He does. He purposely lost that game. Lakers are in the business of tanking and trying to get that dude Zion. And then we heard this week as well, people saying like Jeff Van Gundy, people were saying that he's lost his damn mind. One the reason why he's not a coach anymore. Because he said that LeBron James, the Lakers should explore trading him. It's I understood where he's coming from because he said that the Lakers look like they're in a rebuilding process. And they do. Who do the Lakers have on that team? Clearly, LeBron can't win it with just him, Brandon Ingram, Kuzma, and Lonzo Ball looks like he's out the door. I'm telling I told you guys a week before or last week, the Lakers were looking at John Morant. Like at least Matty Johnson went to go see John Morant play. I think the Lakers are gonna be looking to get a point guard if they don't get Zion Williamson or they don't get one of those top players. They're going to be looking to get a point guard. If they get a point guard, you're not going to leave Lonzo Ball anymore. That spells the end to me for Lonzo Ball. To me. I don't know. But Jeff Van Gunn, I didn't think it was all that crazy him saying to trade LeBron James. Let LeBron James go to a team that is, is more ready to be built and get something for him. Every team that LeBron James has been on, all of them have lost LeBron James for nothing. And no one talks about that. LeBron James is an a-hole sometimes for that. The, to leave the teams that he's been on and... They get nothing in return for him. That's fucked up. It is. It honestly is. That's why I appreciate what AD did at least. He at least told New Orleans, like, hey, I'm not coming back. So get what you can now. LeBron James, he will never do that. Ever. Ever. He never does that. And I know I know you guys all heard about the Vic Buker article where a GM said he is not good enough anymore to take four cadavers to get to the finals, not in the West. Me and RJ been telling you guys that for the longest. I'm just telling you that right now. Me and RJ been telling you that for the longest. LeBron James, he can't do what he did in the in the East in the Western Conference. Those days are over. Over. You're not going to have no cakewalk for the whole season. You can't be taking little breaks. You can't be playing no defense some nights. You got to bring it every single night in the Western Conference. And LeBron James look old. The gray hair is on his beard. The Western Conference is aging his ass. Asian him. He's showing his age. And he could get 30 in his sleep. That's what that doesn't bother me. LeBron James could get 30 anytime he wants. It's the fact that it's is it gonna be an impactful 30 or is it just gonna be a regular, hey, I just rolled out of bed and got 30. It, you gotta have impactful points. You gotta impact the game. And I feel like LeBron James' impact has been less and less this year. People can say that he's still the best player, but his impact is not the best. He doesn't have the best player impact anymore. And that's my thing with LeBron James. And the Lakers now, they want to sign Andre Andre Ingram or Andre Young, whatever his name is. They try to sign him back so people can... Andre Young, I think, is Dr. Dre. <laughs> but Andre Ingram, they signed him back. And I just think they're using that as a distraction for all the things that's going on to have like a feel-good story and have people distracted so they won't talk about how sorry this Laker team is. And we saw ESPN put out that that post for one year as of March 12th. Last year, on March 12th, they were 30 and 36. 
This year on March 12th, they were 30 and 36, so no difference. LeBron has changed nothing in LA, nothing at all. All there is is turmoil and drama. That's all LeBron James changed. All he bought was turmoil and drama. That's all. All he did. Shameful, man. And then Baron Davis as well, he came out this week and he said, of course, Kobe Bryant would have got this team to the playoffs. I happen to agree. At least I know Kobe Bryant, he would do everything in his power to impact the game. Even at his older age, that final year, I told you guys last week, he did everything he could. That year he tore his Achilles, he did everything in his human power to get his team to the playoffs. And he did it. He did it. LeBron James, can you guys tell me right now LeBron James is doing everything within his power to get his team to the playoffs? You can't tell me that. And don't give me that little excuse, oh, he's missed 18 games. Fine, you missed 18 games, but you, you got to push yourself to get this team to the playoffs. If you that great, if you that player, you got to do that. And I understand, I'm not saying LeBron James is better than Kobe Bryant or Kobe Bryant is better than LeBron James. I'm not even saying that right now. I'm just saying it's about heart, desire, and want to. Kobe Bryant will still give you the same heart, desire, passion, that fight, that killer assassin mentality. Who cares who his teammates are? Now, I will always say Kobe Bryant quit that one year against the Phoenix Suns in the first round, game seven. I will always say that. He did quit, but Kobe Bryant won my respect that year with Mike D'Antoni as his coach, Steve Nash always hurt, and Dwight Howard as his center. And he willed that team to the playoffs. He will always have my respect for that, always. And I haven't seen LeBron James do that, yo. He's quitting. It looks, to me, this year and how things have played out, it looked like his final time in Cleveland the first time around and the final time in Miami. Like, it looked, you could just tell, like, he's not interested. He's not engaged. He doesn't care. He's not really into the season. He's just like, I'm checked out. He checked out. I feel like LeBron James is checked out. I've never seen LeBron James look like this on the court. Just walk around with gray hairs. He looks like an old ass man in a Lakers uniform. He just did this just to look good in a Lakers uniform. Like stop playing around, man. Oh man, I'm sick. I'll be sick if I was a Lakers fan. I really am just sick. Just watching the Lakers. Just watching them, I'm sick. Ugh, I'm done with the Lakers and LeBron. Let's move on to the final basketball quick topics of the week. On Wednesday, Draymond Green officially signed with Clutch Sports. He's now joined the roster with Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, John Wall, Tristan Thompson, Eric Bledsoe, the Morris brothers, Marcus and Markeith, and of course, LeBron James. He says he really wants to work with Rich Paul because he's, he wants to have someone in his corner that's beyond just basketball. He wants to do other things, and I respect it. All these things that LeBron James is doing, I would want to go be around them as well. I like what LeBron James is doing. He's actually cultivating this stuff with these players. You know what I wish? I wish LeBron James would like make his own league, you know? Make his own basketball league. He would get the sponsors. You get all these players to come move over to his own basketball league. That would be dope. And it could be a league owned by black players. Who who, who are people gonna watch more? The NBA or LeBron James league that has all the black players since he has all the players under his umbrella for clutch sports i know he's a minority owner he's really a, the agent for these players as well it's not only rich paul so i really want to see that lou williams he became the highest scoring bench player ever in league history and i saw a question that was posed online on social media is he the greatest six man of all time 
And I looked at that and I thought about it. I was like, huh, is he the greatest hits man? I saw a lot of people saying Manu. I saw some of you saying J.R. Smith. Others, I was confused by saying J.R. Smith. I was like, J.R. Smith is not one of the best hits man ever. He had one year where he had a six man of the year and that's it. I wouldn't put him in on that list. Lamar Odom, I saw that as well. Jamal Crawford, I definitely would put Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford. The top three, in my opinion, is Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, and Manu Ginobili. But honorable mentions, J.R. Smith, okay. Lamar Odom, I would go with that. Eric Gordon, definitely. Jason Terry, Jet by name, not by game. <laughs> Leandro Barbosa, that's another good name. And Ben Gordon, those are some of the best ones I could think of. And Vinny the Microwave Johnson coming off the bench. So those are some good bench players. Congratulations to Wu Williams. He has been one of the most consistent players in the league for a long time coming in off the bench. And you need that. I like what the Clippers, the Clippers look like a good team, yo. They really do like a good team. I like how they play. And if they had a star, hopefully Kawhi Leonard does go there because I think they could do some things, with, especially with Patrick Beverly being the heart and soul of that team. I like Patrick Beverly. I like Bruh Bruh. The fact that Patrick Beverly called Paul George Brabra is fucking hilarious to me. It still rings funny in my head, yo. It's hilarious. All right, what else happened this week? Ben Simmons, he said this week that him and Joel Embiid have thought about all those plays that didn't win a title together and because they wanted to leave and ask for a trade and he wants to stay together and bring a title to Philly. And a lot of you out there were hard on my man Ben Simmons. They all kept saying the only reason why they're not gonna win is because you don't have a jumper. And it's kind of true. I agree with that. The only reason they're not going to win is because they don't, he doesn't have a jumper. So it is mainly on him. But another thing is, Joel and B got to stay healthy too. You got to think about that too. You can't only put on Ben Simmons. It's also about Embiid staying healthy. And to be honest, if they don't win, I think it will be more because of it will be more because of Ben Simmons not getting a jumper. At least right now. Later on, it'll be because of Joel and B's health. That's the reason why they're not going to win. And... If I do see one of them leaving, I think it will be Ben Simmons, to be honest with you. If one of them leaves because they can't figure it out, it's going to be Ben Simmons. He comes from that LeBron James school. They'll force a trade out of there and go somewhere else. And we also saw some news this week. LaMarcus Aldridge. Ugh, I don't like LaMarcus Aldridge. I think he's he's like a Carlton Towns, a player that he gives you good production most nights. But when you need him most in the playoffs, he's not going to show up. He's just not. Marcus Aldridge said that. He's talked to Damian Lillard about joining back up with him in Portland. If I was Dame, I'd be like, no, thank you. You can stay away. We don't really need you. I wouldn't want him back in Portland. I would want someone else. If I was Dame, I would say, go get him some Anthony Davis. Go get him someone that can be a bona fide superstar big man. Lamarcus always is proving he can't be that superstar big man because they're looking for him to step up and be the guy next to him and DeMar DeRozan. San Antonio is full of bunch of their stars, DeRozan and Marcus Aldridge, they're fraudulent. 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 And that's a sad thing about Blair Popper. I think he knows that they're fraud. They're not, they're not those guys. They're not that guy. They're solid players. But they're just not the guy. I can't trust them to be the guy. Either one of them, I can't trust to be the guy. And the final news of the week, my favorite story of the week, my favorite story. Serge Ibaka, Lord have mercy. This dude, Ibaka, he is angry. Angry. He has so much hate in his heart. So much hate in his heart. I don't understand why. I do know why. I'm going to get to why. But he got into a fight this week with Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris just gave him a look. Serge Ibaka got up. 
and he just attacked him like a wild man, like a wild man. <laughs> he just started choking him and everything. Like, damn. I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, he African, African. That shit was hilarious. <laughs> this emphasizing the word by saying it twice shit is fucking hilarious. I used to do that too, so it's, fuck, it's hilarious. It's, well, he said he's African, African, but he's just angry to me. He's angry. I don't understand why he's so mad. Like, ever since Carrie Hilson, man, I think I think it's because of Carrie. I don't want to dispatch you, Baka. Don't come at me. Please don't come. Actually, come at me, please. Because then I can sue your ass. And I get all your goddamn money. But, <laughs> damn, man. I think it's because of Kerry Hilson. I'll be mad, too, though. I'll be mad all the time. Like, if I was him and Marky Chris looked at me that way, I'd probably think he was looking at me like, damn, you fool. How dare you just let Kerry Hilson go? And I'll probably, I'll get up to him with a choke his ass, too. Don't look at me like that. I tried to make it work. Nah. <laughs> Yo, I think that's the reason why he's so angry. He's getting into all these fights in the NBA. Because Sergi Bach is always fighting somebody. At least once a year, he's going to fight somebody. And I really do believe it's because he lost Kerry Hilson. And to be honest, I don't blame him. I will fight every dude I see, too, if I lost Kerry Hilson. Like, God damn it. You fucking Kerry. God damn it. I want. Oh, I miss Kerry. I miss Kerry Hilson. Oh, Lord. I miss Kerry Hilson myself. Please come back, Kerry. I know Beyonce. The Beyonce Hive ruined your career, but I miss you, Carrie Hilson. Don't come after me, Beyonce Hive. I don't agree with whatever she said, but Carrie Hilson, you are beautiful. Lord have mercy. If I lost her, Serge Ibaka, I understand why you're so angry. I just do. So you you want to take your anger out on Marquise Chris, I get it. And that guy in the blue suit with his face, that shit was priceless too. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Super Junior Podcast. I really do appreciate you. It was an eventful week. I enjoyed recapping it and reflecting on the events that transpired. No cap. I hope I used it right. I've been waiting to use that term because I just found out what that term meant this week. So I've been waiting to use it. And don't think, oh, go, you don't know what that term means. Uh, I kind of did. I just was, I didn't know. I was waiting to figure out on my own. I like to figure out these new terms that come up that people just come up with randomly. I like to figure it out on my own. So I tried to figure it out on my own. I just couldn't figure it out because people use no cap for the weirdest reasons. And I found out, I was talking to my friend about it, and me and her both agree. There's some stupid reason why people be using these words. And this is what I was talking about earlier about codes. Like, no cap means no lie. You couldn't just say no lie or something like that? Come on, come on. I hate it. But anyway, don't be shy. Feel free to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at superjunior underscore 93. Like the podcast Facebook page at superjuniorpodcast. And feel free to just share your opinions on the show or topics that we covered. Again, I appreciate you. Until next time. Hey, y'all. Peace. Yes, Lord. It's the shit I want to go out to. Yeah. Yeah. It's the shit I want to go out to.